Welcome to Politics on Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. How are you doing today? We are doing great, my dear people. We are doing great. Anyhow, folks, let me tell you, I had a great weekend, as I hope you did as well. Did you have a great weekend, my friends? Look, I'm going to tell you a quick short, short, short story. I went home in my own kitchen this weekend. I made something called fritura con patacones y yuca and all that good stuff and brought my Panamanian brother over and we had a blast. It was like being in Panama for a little bit. But anyhow, we have a lot to talk about. Today's show is titled Marianne Williamson on why she is challenging Joe Biden and Marjorie Taylor Greene on 60 Minutes. Anyhow, folks, as it turns out, as it turns out, yesterday I received a tweet from Crystal Ball. And that tweet uh, from Crystal Ball said the following. This dude will be treated as serious by the press, but not Marion Williamson, who is already polling higher than ever he ever will. That's what her tweet said, right? And that tweet got to me because it was true. The media turns out to really reward some people. I don't exactly know how, why, what, or whatever. They reward them just for being. And Marianne Williamson, who we know, she had, she is filled with progressive values. They're going to try to bring up a whole lot of stuff about her, but there, she is a progressive values type of woman. They don't even give the time of day. So look, there was so much to the tweet that uh, Crystal Ball said, Asa Hutchinson has not registered any significant poll numbers, while Marianne Williamson is at 10%. Yet, the media treats him as a serious contender, as they did Donald Trump when he began to run in the 2016 race. I'm currently neutral in the race of both parties, but I want the Democratic Party to showcase its values. I want progressives to get the unadulterated platform to get their message out, which is not only supported by progressive Democrats, but most Democrats and a large percentage of independents and Republicans. We've tested these policies and whether people like them or not. And guess what? Hey, Tory, they love it. They love these policies. Marlo, they love these policies that folks are talking about. So look. I want Marianne Williamson and other candidates promoting people-centric policies to give Americans a choice and the notion that their wants, the things that they want, the things that they need and their votes really matter. When I saw Crystal Ball's tweet, I immediately texted Marianne and I asked her if she could do an interview. No, it was last minute. I knew that she probably are doing all that other stuff she's do that these people that are running for president do. And she said, I'm busy right now, but is this afternoon okay? Said, yes, ma'am. Uh, then she went ahead and said, what time? She gave me the time. She told me she would be available later on Sunday. So we did it. She is on point with the progressive policies. I want you guys to listen to this. Today, I'm honored to be with uh, Miss, Mrs. Marianne Williamson. She's an American author, spiritual leader, and political activist. She has written 14 books, including four New York Times number one bestsellers. She is the founder of Project Angel Food, a volunteer food delivery program that serves 
homebound people with HIV, AIDS, and other life-threatening illnesses. She is also the co-founder of Peace Alliance, a nonprofit education and advocacy organization supporting peace-building projects. She has frequently appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show. Williamson ran for the presidency in 2020, and it seems again like this Marion Williamson will be, not will be, but is running again for the presidency of the United States. Welcome to Politics Done Right, Marianne Williamson. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, thank you. And thank you for having me back. Well, you know, um, I found it interesting. And let me tell you what why I wanted to get you on today. There's a tweet that came over my thread, and it said, this dude will be treated as serious by press, but not Marianne Williamson, who is already polling higher than he ever will. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Asa Hutchinson, who just jumped into the race to be the president of the United States on the Republican side. And evidently, the entire establishment and media have gone crazy. This is going to be likely the Trump killer. And we have Median Williamson now polling at over 10%. People might not understand what that means. Talk to me. Well, Asa Hutchinson, as you said, he's part of the political class. He's been, I think, wasn't he governor and senator from Arkansas? Arkansas. Yeah. And uh, he's a more moderate, I, I believe, a Republican. And so, of course, it would be part of the scuttlebutt and it would get attention. Um, what Crystal Ball, who wrote that tweet, is referring to, of course, is the fact that I, on the Democratic side, am primarying the president or whoever else will run. He hasn't announced yet. And as you said, I'm polling at 10 percent. So under normal circumstances, and there has been a lot of attention given to this, but there is still um, the, the narrative coming from some quarters of the Democratic establishment is that we should ignore Miriam Williamson because we have already decided that our candidate will be Joe Biden and that everybody else should clear the field. Uh, in order to make a stronger case in front of the uh, against the Republicans in 2024. Obviously, I disagree with that or I wouldn't be running. My belief is that um, I am the best candidate to run against the Republicans in 2024 because I am not part of that political club. You know, it's almost like high school or something. Um, the narrative then is that I'm unqualified. But what they see as qualified is someone who is so entrenched within that system that they know how to perpetuate it. My qualification is that I could help disrupt it. So there is a sense that if somebody's not one of them or coming from what they see as the qualified group, that we should just ignore it. And that's what she's talking about there. Now, my position is, first of all, this is a democracy and it should be the the voters who decide uh, who will be the candidate in the general election, not men, you know, sitting around a table smoking cigars as though it was 100 years ago. Um, in addition to that, though, I find it very interesting what the Constitution actually says. The Constitution says that in order to run for president, you have to have been born here, you have to have lived here for 14 years, and you have to be 35 years old or older. Now, I think it's so interesting here because if the founders had wanted to say you had to have been a governor, you had to have been a senator, you had to have been a congressman, you have to have been a lawyer, they would have. 
And I think it's very significant that they did not. They were saying that every generation gets to determine for itself what skill sets in a leader they feel are most required to answer the challenges of a particular time in our history. And um, I submit to, to voters that someone being so entrenched in that system is not necessarily what we should consider qualification for cutting the cord with a clearly dysfunctional uh, era of our history and giving birth to another one. Why would we look to that system at this point to disrupt itself? It won't. It's time for the people to step in. Ms. Williamson, let me just uh, say something. While uh, as a as a host, I can't take certain uh, positions and candidates, et cetera, it behooves me on something specific here. Uh, you alluded to the point that you had to be of a certain class, and if the founders had wanted to be uh, wanted it to be a former congressperson or former governor or whatever, that somehow they would make that clear. But the fact that the establishment has reacted to a Donald Trump who it was neither of any of that who's been proven to not even support the military to have someone who has shown complete disregard for the laws of the country. And he still gets the notion of that he could possibly be president again. He gets the notion that uh, just, you know, like what he says has any value. You have written several books. You have done quite a bit of studies. Why is it that a guy as inept as Donald Trump gets coverage and someone like you who is more red and has done more things uh, philanthropically for people <clears throat> don't? Well, if you look back to 2016, um, at the very beginning of that race, Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders were getting roughly the same amount of people at their at their uh, rallies. The press thought it was funny. Les Moonves, who was head of CBS at that time, said uh, bad for America, but good for CBS. They knew that it would that coverage of Donald Trump would uh, get them. You know, people found it. You know, this was the man who had been on that television show. Uh, was it The Apprentice that he was on? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. And then also at that time, the Democrats, uh, theoretically, what we heard, Hillary Clinton, et cetera, thought it was good for them for it to beat Donald Trump because they could they could beat him more easily. Obviously, they were mistaken. So the press went along with it and because it was a profit driven venture for them and they thought that would get more more viewers. Now, another interesting thing there is that. The Republican voters don't have the codependent relationship with the RNC that Democrats have with the DNC. So the, remember, the Republican establishment did not want Donald Trump in 2016. And their message to their voters was, you can you can vote for Jeb Bush, you can vote for Marco Rubio, you can vote for John Kasich or whatever. And the Republican voters said, no, we want Trump. On the Democratic side, there is this codependency. There is this strange lack of independent thought, it seems to me, among Democratic voters, where the DNC says we're going with Biden. So all of these other politicians just line up, we're going with Biden. It's just so strange. It's um, And then this idea that anyone who would dare to primary him, you know, I grew up at a time when Eugene McCarthy primaried Lyndon Johnson, Bobby Kennedy primaried Lyndon Johnson. Nobody suggested that it was weird. Um, well, Kennedy primaried Carter, didn't he? 
Well, but see, this is interesting because the Democratic Party elite, establishment elite argue, yes, but every time an incumbent Democratic uh, president is primaried, he loses, almost as though Teddy Kennedy lost the election. Ronald Reagan defeated Carter, not Teddy Kennedy. Right. So, you know. I, I I believe in my experience being with voters is that the voters aren't thinking about those games. The voters are thinking about how could I get health care? How could I send my kids to college? That's where that's how uh, can I get a living wage. Uh, that's what the voters care about. They, you know, those games don't interest. And also the voters hear me when I say you want to think real hard about whether or not the kids, for instance, are, are the young people of America going to show up? Uh, to go to battle for Joe Biden in the general election after he just approved the Willow Project. And they're already feeling so passionately the pain of insecurity regarding the survivability of the planet in 100 years. Um, I I would argue that it's illogical to just assume that uh, Joe Biden could beat the Republican in 24 because he beat him in 20. I'm grateful to the president. I think anyone on the in the you know Democratic side is grateful to the president for defeating um, uh, defeating. Trump. Trump. But this is going to be a different year, and I think this year we have to match the intensity and match the um, the energy uh, that they're going to be throwing at us. And I believe that's what I bring to the table. I think you're you're you know uh, you're absolutely right with respect to. Uh, the the energy has to be brought uh, in 2024, and I think we are dreaming to believe that uh, first of all that it's absolutely going to be Donald Trump. And if, the truth of the matter is, that if it's not Donald Trump, I think the Democratic Party, the Democrats, are going to be in trouble because I think when you talk about energy, etc., and the youth and bringing somebody else that has a picture, it, that does have some say. Moreover, you spoke about the different policies specifically that most Americans want that many are running to the center today. If you take a look at what they're doing today, they're running to a mythical center where right. the American people are not. It is not. a mythical center. You are so right. It is mythical. And therefore, it is delusional to think that's where you should be walking. The Democratic Party elite almost seem intent on shrinking their base. Exactly. Turning that, their that, back, they're turning their back on the people who should be like like the youth uh, and the progressive youth. Uh, youth, democratic youth, tend to be more progressive, and they're being treated like unruly children who need to sit down and just do what the grown-ups tell them. And the narrative is suggesting that these grown-ups—that's another myth—they've uh, got this. They don't got this. Well. And, the- they haven't had it in quite a while. I mean, uh, the truth of the matter is, let, let, let's be real. I, I, I love that that uh, Biden defeated uh, Trump, but Biden defeated Trump by less electoral, well, less votes in electoral important state than Hillary did. Yes, Hillary won by three popular votes and, and, and uh, uh, Biden won by seven million popular vote, but Biden won the electoral states by only 40,000 votes while Clinton by 70,000 votes. And that number should scare every single Democrat who doesn't want to ensure that going forward, we have the policies that people really want. It's so extraordinary because, like I said, it's just this lining up 
uh, with what the DNC uh, has to say, even though if you look at poll after poll after poll, the American people want today what they indicated that they wanted uh at the at the end of World War II, they want universal health care. They want tuition free college and, and tech schools. They want free child care. They want paternity and maternity leave. They want guaranteed sick pay and they want a guaranteed livable wage. And this is what's different now, I think, having run in 2020. The American people have woken up. The American people get it. The American people are now like, what the hell? Why is it that the citizens of every other advanced democracy have those things? But we don't. So there's always been this, oh, it's very complicated. And I pe think people are understanding, no, it's actually not complicated so much as it's corrupt. Uh, the only reason we don't have universal health care is because of profits for the insurance companies. The reason we have Americans rationing rationing their, their insulin, the reason we have 18 million Americans who can't afford to pay for the prescriptions that their doctors give them, the only reason we have 68,000 people who are um, dying every year from lack of health care, 85 million people who are uninsured or underinsured, is because of profits for the insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies. We don't have common sense gun laws because of the profits for gun manufacturers. We have so many carcinogens in our food because of profits for, for um, big food, big agriculture, big chemical companies. We don't have a clean energy grid yet because of profits for big oil. And we have foreign policy, which is far too dominated by profit making of defense contractors. Let me tell you something. This secret is out. Yes. I think that what I just said is the big truth that is the only thing powerful enough to defeat the big lies that are going to be coming from the Republicans in 2020. Absolutely, Marianne. When we talk about uh, insurance, health insurance, and I want you to touch on this before we end, because I want the older, generally speaking, our older voters are kind of the ones that believe they want to be more centered not realizing that center does not solve their problems. Let's give an example here. Uh, Medicare was something everybody could count on. They could count on having the independence of going to their own doctor, et cetera. Medicare Advantage is just the privatization of Medicare. Uh, what would you do? Would you ensure if, if you were to become the candidate to start supporting the policies that we're talking about to end all this attempt at the privatization of care for the elderly, et cetera? First of all, we have half of our uh, elderly population living on $25,000 and less a year. And one of the reasons why uh, the financial burden is so hard on our elderly people is because of health care costs, even with Medicare. Because remember, the the uh, the the crisis is not just lack of insurance, it's underinsurance. Exactly. Right? Right. So, you know, I I was talking to a doctor one day who said I used to give people a prescription and I used to talk about a, a treatment that they needed. The question used to be, uh, what are the side effects? The question now is, what will it cost? Yes. And that includes people on Medicare, because then you have to Medicare Advantage, to Medicare Advantage A, Medicare Advantage B, and it just wears people down. This is why we need to get rid of all of that. We need a universal health care system. Medicare, we know how to work Medicare. It becomes a Medicare for all, and it's not nearly as complicated as they say. This is not a government-run uh, run, uh, situation. It's government-funded. This is pro-business, by the way. This will help businesses to just get that off the table so it's not even something that they have to think about. Okay, now thinking from the political strategy right now, um, we all, if we want to be honest, there, there is a lot that's getting that likely, as as you 
bump up into the polls, uh, there's a lot of things that will likely need uh, that fast response team. Have you already started to gather your fast response team to cover some of those issues? Both of us know will be uh, will be the the initial phase of attack on. Well, you. they've already started. You know they. You know they've 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 already done it. They they've there have been three pretty big uh, hits. They've uh, you know I know how they treated me when I was a mere inconvenience last time. So uh, yeah, they've already started. So give me an example of the of the fast response that I'll need, and I'll see if I can can do it with you here. Oh no no I don't I we're not going to go there. I just okay. want to make sure that you are ready for uh, the, to have a fast response team, because in these political times and the speed at which social media moves, it's going to be something that has to get done. Well, you know, the problem with uh, with that is the real question, the real challenge becomes when to respond at all. Right. Because sometimes when you respond, you appear defensive or you you actually are bolstering the very the attention. You know, you're actually giving attention to the attack. Uh, I believe. For the most part, I mean, some of it's just lies, and I and I and I try to explain that. But sometimes I think the best you can do is be who you are and say what you believe. And people, I believe that that's what people really want. Um, in the meantime, yeah, you try to respond. I know when Let when the president's press secretary said something about me. I made a video, but I can't make a video about every attack or then it just becomes, it looks like I'm whining. Oh, how they treated me. So it's real difficult. To well, I, I, I don't think it's for, I, I, I tell you the same thing I've told other democratic candidates in my humble opinion. I don't think it's about you uh, responding, but it's about leaving nothing unanswered. It doesn't have to be Marion Williamson or it doesn't have to be whomever else runs for the democratic ticket. It's just that, that, Democrats have a tendency to leave things unanswered and everything I think should be answered. Well, it's a problem though, because it's it's back to like when was the last time you beat your wife? <laughs> you know, it's like, but I didn't beat my wife. You but know, you know, like, you know, let me tell you how someone I didn't mock a fat person or so, so let fat. me tell you how I use those things and I have suggested to other candidates to use. Okay, please things. do. Let me give an example here in Texas. We don't have uh, the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, which means that over 2000 Texans die every every day. So when when somebody uh, attacks a Democratic candidate that says you are soft on crime, uh, the answer is you have put guns in the people's hands and you have put a logical gun in the people's head as you've denied them coverage and caused the implicit murder of our citizens. In other words, I, I always turn That's an attack good. right around to show that what they are doing is pretty much projection on what actually occurred. Well, I'd love your help when they start coming after me. I, I mean, I think that was a brilliant pivot. What you Well, just I mean, said. It, it's the, the truth about it, uh, Miran, is that it is reality. You know, it's it's not they may come with a lie, but you respond to the lie with a reality, a real state. Republicans in Texas are, oh. in fact, killing Texans. 
Yeah, it's like when people say I'm anti-science. Well, I think the anti-science person is uh, the president who has approved of the Willow Project, even though scientists, scientists, scientists have said that if we continue to um, extract oil from the ground the way we have been, uh, that this planet could become uninhabitable. So who's anti-science here? Also, the issue of who takes illness. Uh, people say you don't take illness seriously. Who is it that doesn't take illness seriously? Me, who's standing for uh, Medicare for all universal health care or the president who said that he would veto a Medicare for all bill if it came to his desk. And and those are the arguments one would make. Those are the arguments one would make in, in, in response to when whenever folks come, especially when it's against a policy, a humane policy that makes right. lives better for the vast majority of American citizens. Well, uh, Ms. Williamson, in closing, why don't you give me a closer? Let my audience know um, why it is that they must uh, give you a serious thoughts when they're so scared that if they get anyone other than Biden, it's death of the uh, the, democ- the American democracy. Well, I do understand that we all want the authoritarian neo-fascist threat that is at our door, indisputably. Uh, All of us who recognize that take very seriously how important it is that the Democrat win, that the Republican candidate, if it is one of those candidates, does not win in 2024. There is no doubt about that. Um, We're grateful. I'm certainly grateful. I know most of us are uh, to the president for defeating Donald Trump in 2020. But 2024 will be a very different year. And there's going to be a wave of energy coming at us in 2024. And what we must do is meet that energy. And they're going to be coming at us with big lies. And the only way to defeat that is with big truths. Now, the president is planning to make his slogan, his message, that the economy is doing well. But that is contrary to the visceral experience of the majority of Americans. The economy is only doing well for 20% of Americans. For 80% of Americans, life is a continuous and chronic economic struggle. So to say that the economy is doing well is, is not the message it is going to win in 2024. The message it's going to win in 2024 is not one in which the Democrats are offering to help you survive an unjust system. The message is going to win in 2024 is one in which we say, we're gonna end the unjust system. We're going to do more than have some incremental changes here that might make it a little bit better here or there. The answer, the winning message for 2024 is that we need to make a complete economic U-turn because over the last 48 years, $50 trillion, There has been a massive transfer of wealth in the shape of $50 trillion that has gone from the bottom 90% of Americans to the top 1%. The average American worker has been squeezed and has been exploited by a trickle-down economic mindset, which while it began with the Republicans, we should face the fact no Democrats stopped it. And it is time for us to end that chapter of American history. It is time for a season of repair because of all the tremendous damage that this has done. It has done damage to people's bodies. When I was growing up, Blue Cross Blue Shield was a nonprofit. It has done damage to people's ability to get educated. Until the 1960s, there was tuition-free college in this country. It has left people falling apart on the inside and on the outside. In the richest country in the world, there is no reason 
for the average American to live with chronic economic struggle. So the answer to win in 2024 is not to somehow gaslight people so they feel it's not as bad as it is. The way to win in 2024 is to admit that it's as bad as it is and to commit to the complete, not just alleviation of stress, but a complete economic turnaround in the form of universal health care, in the form of tuition-free college and tech schools, in the form of free childcare, in the form of uh, pay, paid leave, family leave and sick pay and a guaranteed li livable wage. That is what I'm standing for. That is the big truth. The big truth is that things are not okay. So the politicians on the Democrats are gonna say, well, basically they're okay. They're not okay. And they can be okay, but not until we face the fact that uh, the majority of American people suffer and suffer unnecessarily chronic hardship economically. It is only because of this unjust rigged economy in the United States and the president we need is someone who will call that, who will name it, and who will do everything possible to change it. Midian Williamson, presidential candidate, Democrat, 2024. Thank you so kindly for this, uh, this on-your-fly interview uh, this afternoon. Well, it was lovely being with you. People can learn more by going to Marianne 2024. And uh, you said before, you know, why must people vote for me? Obviously, people don't have to vote for me. I wouldn't even say should vote for me. I would say, however, that I'm deeply honored if people will give me a listen, will look up, will if you feel that this is an agenda that needs to be submitted and that uh, the Democratic or independent voters should have a chance to vote for with which to face the Republicans in 2024, I hope you will go to Mary in 2024. Do what you can support. And uh, let's continue with this thing uh, and have a season of repair and a new beginning in the United States. Thank you so kindly for having been Thank on you. Politics Done Thank Right. You. Marianne Williamson. Always nice to see you. Thank you. Well, folks, um, I first of all, I want to thank Marianne Williamson for taking that impromptu call from me last night, yesterday afternoon, actually, yesterday morning, actually, because it was driven by a tweet by uh, Crystal Ball that was showing that even as she's 10 percent in the polls, uh, the media only covers certain people irrespective of polls. But anyway, folks, 713, tell me what you think about the interview. 713-526-573. Let me know what you think about what Marianne had to say. Marianne Williamson had to say. 713-526-5738. Extension numero dos. 713-526-5738. I'd love to hear from you right now, if you will. 713-526-5738. You know, there are certain things that she said in that interview that really touched me. When she said 20% of Americans are doing just fine, 80% really sort of paycheck to paycheck, if not worse. And I don't think people understand that because if you watch TV, those people who produce TV programs, those people who are doing all that they do on TV, here is the thing, folks. What I find most amazing, right? These are people that, uh, th that's a lot of people. America is a country of 330 million people. 20% is 60-something million people doing great. I want to ask you a question. That's a lot of people doing great. That's a lot of people doing great. And when it can gives the, give the false impression that that looks like America. It doesn't. 
526-5738. Please give us a call, extension 2, 713-526-5738. Hit the number 2 and you'll come directly to me. Thank you so kindly for calling in. Come on in, Alistair. How are you doing, Alistair? Let's see. There you I go. am good. Talk to me. There I am. Hey, brother, I'm good. I, yes. as a person that was a victim of being called different names pretty much all of my childhood, uh-huh. I don't like bullies. Right. I don't like people that do name calling and try to knock down credibility by calling someone something inappropriate right. or not factual. Right. And the fact that that happened to Marianne Williamson. Right. That our last, you know, voting cycle that she participated in, it was just right. angered me because it's like you don't take someone seriously because you think I think they felt she was a threat. Yeah, I, well, actually, that's what I mean. It's they felt she's a threat because she is a threat. If you are a, if you are somebody who are putting out policies that most Americans want, and I'm not talking about just Democratic right. policies, I'm talking no. about policies that Republicans want as well. Human kindness policy, right? And you know, and and like I said, I am practical. I'm not taking positions or anything of that sort. But I, uh, you know, I enjoyed. I enjoyed speaking to her. This is about the, I think the second or third time that I've spoken to her. This actually she really is in, interesting to talk. To. Yes, she yeah. is. And, and, you know, she hits the points on and you know what, uh, uh, Alistair, we can afford it. They lie to you when they say we can't afford it. We oh, yeah, can no. afford it. Or when they say it's complicated. Right. Only because they want to make it complicated. Exactly. So that in this instant gratification mindset that a lot of people have, oh, well, we'll let it go then. You know, like five minutes later, something else is on the news feed and, and we're distracted. Right, right. It's not that damn complicated. Pardon my language. No, well, I, I get your language and your language is justified. But anything else you want to say, my wonderful Alistair? No, we are all good, brother. It was a great interview. Thank you. Thank you so kindly for listening. Okay. I appreciate you very much. Absolutely. Let's go to Sherry, line numero dos. Come on in, Sherry. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm well. Thank you for asking. How are you today? I am doing fine. Sherry, talk to me. I just wanted to say, uh, listening to Ms. Williamson, she gave a a great breakdown, very thoughtful and precise observation of what's going on in this country and, you know, how we need to move about uh, repairing things. But quite frankly, even though it makes so much sense, Mm -hmm. what you said, I just feel very pessimistic that something like that could ever happen because Mm -hmm. simply because it makes too much sense. (laughs) And I love you for saying that, Sherry, because I so love you for saying that. Let me tell you something, Sherry. Um, I am not doing this because I just love to talk and you know hear myself talk and all that kind of stuff. I'm doing this because I think all of us in, in, in inside of us, if we ever decided to realize that we are already empowered, that we can actually make those things a reality. Think about this. The only reason we don't is that we have enough people believing the wrong set of people who have already screwed them throughout their lives. Imagine if Sherry, who just said, this stuff makes too much sense, 
imagine if you were able to tell or speak to others that event that in your sphere that believes you and start to say, okay, Sherry, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to follow you this time. And imagine if, if you teach each of those people in your spheres to do the same and ask them to do the same, there's this stuff called geometric progression, right? That we can actually do these things on the grassroots. The problem is too much of us initially start pessimistic. I'm a, I'm a forever optimist, no matter what's in front of me. And what I'm trying to tell you, my dear, is that the, the fact that you, heard what we need and see what we need means that we can actually move forward. Yes, but at the same time, we really need to think about the, the system and the machine that's keeping these yes. things in place because that needs to be dismantled. There you go. And it's, 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 a, it's a challenge, but, you know, I, I agree with you. Things can happen, um, but it may be on a gradual basis yes. because you've got to get to people and, you know, prepare them for, you know, how they need yes. to implement these changes and go about doing it and, you know, making our voices heard when we get to the poll and such. Sherry, so. you just said a magical word and I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but the reason I wanted to say answer you is you said, remember, it has to be gradual. Look, I don't want incremental. I do want gradual. There's a difference, right? And uh, gradual change means it, you're, you're actually moving. It's all it, it, the gradually is you're moving and at a constant. It's not like increment, move here, drop, increment, move. It's just a gradual movement to what you got to do. And People can deal with gradual movement. What they can't deal with is sharp changes. That's just, just how we are. And the fact that you said gradually, it's like, yes. Now, when you're talking to your folks, they need to know we're talking about gradual movement, gradual movement. I agree with you, my dear. Well, thank you for uh, giving me an opportunity to share my thoughts. And thank you so much for what you do there. Thank you so kindly, sir. You have a wonderful day, okay? You too. All right, let's go to line three. B, come on in. Line three, you are on. I just caught, uh, hello. Yes, sir, I'm here. You're here. All right. I just want to say I caught uh, the candidate that she had on air, uh, just a little bit of it, and I was agreeing with absolutely everything she had to say. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I wanted to ask, is she running for uh, presidential uh, yes. Nominee. Yes. She's running yes. for she's running for president of the United States against uh, as, as a, a Democratic Democrat. candidate. And, and more. I think the truth of the matter is I, I, I wish more would join into the fold so that we can get that. in. let me ask you to hold one second because I need to ask for calls. Folks, give us a call at 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. Extension two. You'll get on air quickly. I'm here with B right now, and B has some commentary about the interview he just had. 713-526-5738, extension 2. Talk to me, B. Yeah, so I was just uh, going to add that uh, I think we, we do need to be mindful of, you know, what happened in the last election on the Republican side and how they were actually uh, uh, hurt to an extent um, by the Libertarian vote, right? Uh, which split the vote. So we, we just need to remain uh, cognizant of um, the fact that we need to stand united. I'm not, I don't consider myself a Democrat, and, but mm -hmm. I do recognize that they are the only ones that are standing in the way of fascism at mm -hmm. the moment. So we just need to keep that in mind. And I, I really do think that uh, uh, the candidate that you just had on the air will be a, uh, uh, an excellent uh, 
option in the future. You know, let me let me tell you, B. Uh, let me tell you with all the things that I know, the folks that, well, at least the, the activists that I hang with, they are very cognizant of what you're saying, and what you're saying is absolutely correct. One has to be careful when you're you're doing these things because you don't want an ultimate bad to occur from the, you know, for the good. So we 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 are cognizant about that. We want to hear the voice, and we want the challenges to come out there, sort of to to, to make. To, to put people in the right frame of mind that yes, in fact, something can be done. And I think what Marianne did right there with her um, with her uh, interview, she distinctly showed the thing that not only Democrats want, but independents and many Republicans as well. And it's just a humane kind of a thing. Be anything else you'd like to say uh, before I let you go? Nope. Look, thank you. I, so I agree with you entirely. Thank you so kindly for calling. We could not do this without you guys. All right. I have a good one. You have a great one, sir. All right, uh, folks. The next, uh, the next subject. Unless, oh, it looked like somebody else is going to want to talk about Marianne Williamson. So I will wait for that. Uh, call back. Yeah, I tell you what. Uh, I'm sorry, we we accidentally dropped you. Please call back at seven one three five two six five seven three eight. Again, that number is seven one three. 5265738 extension 2 we accidentally dropped the, the phone system that we have is not the easiest one to use so uh, uh please forgive us for that give us a call back the phones are ringing so give us a call 713-526-5738 all right folks um the the second subject that i'm going to be talking about today after the calls is about marjorie taylor having been on <laughs> 60 minutes now a lot of I hear a lot of progressive really raising hell about that. They are really, really upset. And um, so I, I tell you what, I want to talk about that, but I'll talk about that after Paula. So let's bring Paula in and then I'll talk about that. Paula, come on in. You are in politics and right. Hi, uh, Mr. Willis. Yes. How are you is, doing? Uh, this is Paula. I'm a senior citizen, and um, I agree with everything uh, you say. And Marianne Williamson, our government really needs to be turned upside down. Um, I actually just collect my thoughts as the years go by, and I do sometimes send this, these suggestions out. And, of course, I write to my congressman all the time, mm-hmm. and um, I try to send what I've compiled with, which is, you know, overturning Citizen United and addressing term limits and... Uh, in fact, not having any political parties at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I like the idea of not having political parties. I love that, Paula. Yes, I would just like to be, you know, Joe from uh, Wisconsin or something. Right? Like that. Are you from Wisconsin? That. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but um, you know, it really does. As she said, it really comes down to money. Right. Uh, there's just they have too much power. Or, uh, I think our Servants would love to us to call them leaders. I think I talked to somebody else on the, who had a program on the the station, and mm-hmm. I said, "Please don't call them leaders. They are our servants, and um, we need to keep track of them. Keep an eye on them." I and love that. They're making, they're making rules for themselves that don't have anything to do with us. Um, the of course, I address the military-industrial machine. I'm also born in the you know the fifties, and mm-hmm. that. That is that. Oh my gosh! The amount of money spent on that every year is just phenomenal. Right. And but any all the congressmen seem to agree on that. You know, write the check, um, one point seven trillion, and and then they can't you know do an infrastructure bill mm-hmm. and throw some money at that. So 
Um, that needs to be turned around. I, and that would probably upset our economy horribly. But um, I have, uh, I, I think, and this sounds like a pipe dream. It probably is. But it would be so wonderful if our tax money could stay local, the majority of it could stay local, and a smaller, well, a smaller amount could be for the county. Well, uh, another certain amount would be for the state and a certain amount would be for the government. Paul, I want to stop you right there because what you you just said immediately eliminate red states from being able to fund themselves because on, you know, red states like to talk about independence and they like to talk about uh, low taxes, etc., which they do in their states, but their people are always dependent on everybody else to support those particular states. So when you talk about if, if we were to arrange our tax system like you spoke about there, it would be perfect. Uh-huh. We would have people more self-sufficient. But you're correct. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, my sister told me the same thing. I sent her that too. And she goes, well, some of us, she lives in Nevada. Mm-hmm. You know, Las Vegas makes it a very rich state. Right. Uh, and she's correct there. Uh, but maybe there should be some kind of... Um, Equality based based in there somewhere because I think a lot of this comes down to money. Like she said, it's an economic issue. Uh, it does need to be uh, overturned. It needs to be Paula, looked at in a different way. You're absolutely right, Paul. Are you a regular listener, or did you just kind of drop by on us right now? Because I, no, I, I try to listen when I can. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I need to jump jump to another call, but I want to tell you your ideas are the you know I everybody's ideas should be out there, you know? And, and there's one thing that you said that I didn't like. I think it's a pipe dream or I think is that I don't want people talking like that. I want people to have dreams and think about how to effect their dreams as opposed to thinking their dream is a pipe dream. Because if you think that there's something that you want, I guarantee you there are hundreds of thousands of other Americans that think the same way you do. Yes, I just wish they would. That our servants would listen to us. There we go. Well, we can we can make that happen with our vote, but we have to be consistent. Paula, thank you so yes. kindly for calling in, my thank friend. You. you have a wonderful day. Thank Let's you. go to Steve on live three. Come on in, Steve. How are you doing today? Steve on line three. Yeah, Come on. Thanks in. for having Marianne uh, Williamson, I believe. Marianne. Yeah, Marianne Williamson. That was that was, uh, that was excellent. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have even heard about her. So thank you. Um, yeah, that's what, so right. First of all, that's what independent radio is all about, my dear friend. That's why we, we're here. <laughs> Go ahead, my friend. Oh, yeah, she's so right that uh, the money I had last year only uh, uh, allows me to buy six or seven eggs this year as opposed to a dozen eggs right. last year. And, and uh, um, you know, paying for college for a, a daughter and trying to figure all that out. Uh, uh, it, hopefully that message gets over to, to Biden and they don't tell us that everything is great because uh, there is a, a big threat. And I wish we had a three-party system, but we're not going to get there today, are we? No, sir. But you know what? We, where are we going to get? Uh, there, you, you don't have a, to have a three-party system to elect the right kind of people. And what, what I suggest that we start doing is not buying the rhetoric and really start electing the right people. Uh, basically, I, I am biased in that I think the, the, the values that most Americans say they want are progressive values. And as such, we should be electing progressive candidates and get out of the... the the, uh, what do they call it? The uh, 
uh, thinking about the social type things. We and that social type things. The, uh, the the what kind of wars do they call those wars? The uh, crazy wars. Anyway, we don't need any of that. So, but I'm with you, my friend. I I, I am with you. I think uh, the politicians need to listen, but more importantly, I think we need to vote appropriately and start voting our pocketbooks. Uh, thanks for thanks for being here. Yeah, you uh, your talk show brings economics and politics. Uh, as well as just living life normally to, uh, all together. So I, I really enjoy listening to you. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. You have a wonderful rest of your day, okay? You too. All right, let's go to Colby, numero uno. How you doing, Colby? Uh, hey, Berto. Talk to me. Good interview with uh, Marianne. Thank you, sir. Marianne is uh, like just great. Things, uh, yeah, she says a lot of good things. I really like what she had to say. Uh Realistically speaking, I'm not all that optimistic about her mm-hmm. winning the presidency, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, so far she's got my support, I guess, uh, but um, I, I do think that she will do a good job of shedding the light and bringing the uh, progressive agenda to the forefront. Right. And uh, should she, you know, not achieve her goal, I hope that doesn't discourage her from trying something else perhaps on a more uh, like a local level or perhaps even working in the administration. Right. I, I Look, I think that the, the important thing is that she's going to force these issues onto the stage. That's very important, right? Uh, it, it, now, if she wins for her, it would be icing on the cake. But these these things that, you know, she said nothing that that I am pretty sure 80 percent of Americans would, would say they want. 80 percent. Notice what notice that 2080 that she spoke about. When you watch TV and see all the great things that are happening in America, it's 20 percent of the people that really have that for them. In other words, when you look at that 20% of Americans, a lot of people, 66 million people or so, and that can look like a lot of people, but when you talk about the other 270 million people in dire straits, my friend, we got to do better, Colby. We got to do better. Oh, yeah, yeah, that 80%, they're too busy struggling to uh, have the free time to get their message. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Anything else you want to say, Colby, before I jump to Johnny? Whoop, Colby, did I miss you? Colby. Okay, I think Colby's gone. Thank you, Colby. I, I don't know, something happened on the phone, but let's go to Johnny. Come on in, Johnny. You're with you. You're with me, brother Johnny. Okay. It's confusing because your soundboard, sometimes I hear that swish sound and sometimes I don't, so I'm not sure if I'm just talking to the wall. Anyway, I want to dovetail with a, a comment you just made moments ago to the a female caller, I believe. You were uh, instructing her, to, to use it kindly, to not be so defeatist in attitude. And in that regard, there was a female caller in her 60s uh, to Tom Hartman last week, I think mm-hmm. it was Friday, mm-hmm. uh, where she, in the first two minutes of her call, of her five-minute-plus call, in the first two minutes, she four different times said how she was frightened. I'm so frightened Mm -hmm. of Donald Trump and Republicans, but specifically Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And she listed some of the things I referenced some of the things he's done, which is accurate. Mm -hmm. But I would say to people like Carol and everybody else who listens to independent media, nonprofit media, don't go on the airwaves and tell everybody and his brother who's listening, who might be Republican, Mm -hmm. uh, bad actors, don't tell them you're frightened. 
Show yeah. your bold face. You're on the radio. No, one's, no harm is going to come to you. <laughs> and, and one other thing, uh, we also need to be bold enough to call out people on our side who used to be on our side. People in the press like Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald, and most recently, Chris Hedges. Right. Chris Hedges of all people. That's the last person, the last journalist, commentator, analyzer I would expect to articulate uh, right-wing friendly points. You know, I don't know what his motive is. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody has has some dirt on him and they blackmailed him, or maybe he's desperately he's desperate for money. Or maybe no, let me let me tell you what it is. I mean, here Ukraine has done something. I was talking to Tori earlier about it. Tori, we spoke about the Ukraine issue and how a lot of these guys are going crazy uh, in in the way they're saying we need to stop Ukraine. And what I tried to talk to Tori about is to say, understand what people are really saying. I mean, the the way they come out, it seems like they're just anti the Ukraine policy and pro-Russia policy and all of that. And, and what, what's really happening is for all, practical, uh, uh, for all practical purposes, countries like China, they have uh, triangulated the United States because let me tell you what a lot of people see. But first of all, for all of those listening, there was some, there was some chatter that somehow I was anti-Ukraine uh, involvement. I am not foolish. I do understand why Biden is doing what Biden is doing. But what I'm saying is for the people in America, when they see that it's easy for us to uh, get uh, billions of dollars to Ukraine, when they see that it's easy for us to do all of that, when the water, uh, there's no good water in Jacksonville or Flint, and when there are farmers that are in dire straits, it's not hard for the right-wing point to seep in. That's why President Trump came about in the first place. We are not smart in the way we help the countries like Ukraine because of a geopolitical reason, while at home we have certain issues that need not be. Somebody should get rid of the the, the Mississippi, uh, should arrest the Mississippi governor for murder of the people who have died from water contamination. They should arrest the governor of Michigan who allowed Flint people to die. They should then immediately invest the $1 billion to fix Jacksonville and the $1 billion to fix Flint. And you know what? It, it, they have proven to us by the amount of money they've sent to Ukraine that it can be done. And if that's the issue. Go ahead, Johnny. Not the current governor, not her. The one before. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You're. Hey, thanks for correcting me, Johnny. Johnny, thank you for correcting me, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I wanted to uh, dovetail one more thing you just said with regards to Ukraine. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I have a theory, and I, and I probably won't be proven for another decade or longer yes. until this stuff comes out, until the historians get a hold of all these documents. But you remember when Donald Trump, when he was in the White House, when he went over to talk to Vladimir Putin and other leaders, how he would kick out the translators so there would be no record or no... Well, record. we know what was the going on there. Yes, I remember that very, very well. My theory is that he uh, provided verbal, direct verbal uh, knowledge to Vladimir Putin for for Putin to share with his generals with regards to intelligence from our people with regards to Ukraine so that they so that Putin could have used that. Look, uh, you and I, let me tell you, Johnny, you and I have no proof of that, but we can infer that. 
I mean, there I are a lot of things we can infer. I mean, what you just said, you and I should not tell folks we know that happened, but we should be telling folks we think that happened. We make it clear that it's not an absolute. But let me tell you why I think we need to make it clear that we think it happened with the with the um, uh, circumstantial data we have out there, because we need to let it be known that our our former president was likely, and notice I didn't say is, I said was likely a traitor. I, I said he, he likely did. I didn't, state, I didn't make a declarative. I didn't say you did. I didn't okay. say you did, sir. And, and, we, have, and, we, are, uh, and we are proper in our putting forth these ideas because there's lots of circumstantial, very strong circumstantial yes. evidence. For example, Donald Trump, no, not Jimmy Carter, not Barack Obama, not Bill Clinton, or George Washington, told the American people, when you put me in the White House, I will not take any presidential salary for the right. four years. But at the end of four years, <laughs> he made off with more than $1.6 billion as in boys. It is amazing. Dollars. That's hey, a thousand hey times buddy, of, Johnny. That's a thousand times the amount of presidential salary. Johnny, I got one more topic I want to speed through. Can I do my last topic and speed through it, sir? As long as you make sure that people connect the dots with the money that he stole from the American people that he, and that he used to state secrets, that he squirreled it away, and his email, ira- email irregularities you. all are... Okay, Johnny, release me, release me. I'll talk to you later, Johnny. Thank you so kindly, my brother. All right, okay, real quick. Folks, I don't want you guys to be really crazy mad about having Marjorie Taylor on 60 Minutes. She did, she did what she needed to do. I got one minute. She did what, I need, what she needed to do. I'm going to talk about that at 3 o'clock. Anyway, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.